0: is in south florida is that you hello oh my gosh how in the heck are you you look amazing today it is so good to see you again come on in have a seat follow us or subscribe or whatever it is your medium requires and stay a while we'd love to have you as part of our family say while you're here can i get you something to think today Did you know that there's an estimated 40 million modern-day slaves worldwide, with children making up an estimated 10 million of those victims? These children may be sexually exploited through prostitution, child pornography, involuntary servitude, and the heinous practice of organ harvesting. You heard me right. Organ harvesting. The numbers in the United States are sickening. Of the 17,500 annual traffic victims into this country alone, a staggering 10,000 are children who suffer the horrors of commercial sexual exploitation. I want to give a mention today to Operation Underground Railroad. They are not and never will be a sponsor of this podcast. I wouldn't allow it because I am a donor of their cause. Human trafficking is a plague and an evil that must be eradicated, said Tim Ballard, as he testified in front of a congressional hearing. You might be thinking, it doesn't happen in my state or country, right? I am sorry to say that that is very wrong and wishful thinking. Operation Underground Railroad has made a significant impact in the fight to end sex trafficking and sexual exploitation by rescuing and supporting thousands of survivors in 28 countries and 26 U.S. states. They've gathered the world's experts in extraction operations and in anti-child trafficking efforts to bring an end to child slavery. Their ops team consists of former CIA, past and current law enforcement, and highly skilled operatives that lead coordinated identification and extraction efforts. These men and women all the way through the process are the best of the best, doing the best. Once victims are rescued, a comprehensive process involving justice for the perpetrators and recovery and rehabilitation for the survivors begins. Please donate today at OURrescue.org. It's time for us as private citizens and organizations to rise up and help. It's our duty as a free and blessed people. Please join in the fight. It's a fight that all of us should be concerned about. You can purchase amazing merch as well as make an anonymous or a gift donation. This is a fight for humanity, for innocence, and for decency. Visit OURrescue.org to join in the fight. And as always, I will include a link to their website in the show notes. And now, on with the show. Today is a bit of a somber topic, yet one that I am grateful to feel, and I'm grateful I have the capacity to feel. I grew up in a small town in Arizona, and I moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and surrounding areas back in the early 90s. As a small town boy venturing into a rather large city, I felt like I was going to be swallowed up by the immensity of it all. Not to mention the fact that I had consistent vegetative claustrophobia. I mean, with all the crazy things that I had seen on the evening news before I left home that were happening somewhere else were now happening across the street and in the apartment next door. I met people that I bonded with. I loved and I cherished them. And to this day, I count those loving relationships as some of the greatest gifts of my life. They became a part of my life's foundation and some in particular continued to affect my personal trajectory. I also met some people that really shocked me. Their life decisions shocked me. The rationale behind those life decisions shocked me. From my shelter perspective, they were not just a bit... They were extremely kooky, but the more I got to know them and the details of their life backstories, the more I realized that there but for the grace of God go I. I understood them. I loved them where they were. I realized that if I was in their situations, I would have also lived a similar life. For the past nearly eight years, I've been raising my two children who lost their mother to brain cancer. There are certain behaviors, expected emotions, resistance, some clinging, pushes for independence, and some expectedly numb feelings around death because of that part of their young lives. The youngest was just four when she died, and he doesn't remember much about her. But he is absolutely affected by her influence and her absence. I understand that. It doesn't change what I need to do for them as a single parent, but it does influence how I do it. Loving one another is understanding one another. I've been reminded of this recently from a lifelong friend. Her and I don't agree on everything. And to be honest with you, I look forward to disagreeing with her. And I say that for some very selfish reasons because she is gently yet firmly opinionated and I get a different perspective. Usually because out of lack of experiences, I'm ignorant. We don't have to agree with each other to understand each other. Understanding creates respect beyond congruent opinions for us. I was reminded this week of a favorite quote of mine from Marie Furleo, who said, Clarity comes from engagement and not thought. We gain understanding of others in active engagement with them, learning of them, considering them, and in a healthy setting, being present with them. Just this past August, we lost a school classmate, Billy Crosby. He grew up, as most of us did in Long Valley, in sheltered communities surrounded by people who had a deep devotion to family, a place where the horrors of humanity were rarely seen in person, if even known of. These are communities where toilet papering and door ditching Skinny dipping and underage driving, which was mostly tractors and farm trucks, was our common offense. And there may or may not have been the occasional country boy infraction, but most things we did weren't illegal, because they weren't even sensible to begin with. But for the most part, we ate peanut butter and peaches to cover up the smell from the barkies, and we were in white shirts and ties performing our Sunday duties. We could also be found together on scattered weekends as we earned our eagles with Scoutmaster Eric Brinkerhoff. These were the glory days of bottled soda and bullet pops, Western family food products and kissing booths, passing notes in class, and mid-century modern was the common, seemingly outdated decor at Grandma's house. In the late fall and early winter of 1984, Coach Farrell Heaton had recruited some of us boys to attend the Varsity Girls' 4.30 a.m. basketball practices to give the girls a little rougher scrimmage than they might get otherwise, which propelled them to several state championships. You're welcome, ladies. Well, Billy Crosby was in the thick of all of that. Him and I were much smaller middle schoolers and freshmen than the rest. We took our time to bloom, as if we had a choice. And now that small stature got old Billy into a precarious situation one time. It was during one of these moments in the gymnasium, during what we can best recall was some kind of a co-ed gathering, that Billy just wanted to know what it felt like to touch the basketball rim. So the taller boys hoisted him up where he could hang on the rim a bit. Well, the only problem was that after being up that high, Billy didn't dare let go of the rim. So he just hung there. Even with the coaxing of our adolescent approximated heights, he just wouldn't let go. So one of his lifelong classmates, who out of memory lack will remain anonymous, took the opportunity to personally encourage Billy by partially shucking his gym shorts. I mean, it wasn't to the ankles, but I can tell you that the freckled harvest moon was white and bright that day at Valley High School. There was Billy, still hanging from the rim with a death grip, now screaming that he was going to kill us. (laughs) Hanging there. Wearing his reversible orange and black scrimmage shirt, a clean jockstrap to accentuate the full lunar display, an angel was watching from about half court at our boyish play together, and she got more than an eyeful as she tried to cover her face, but she kept just enough of a slip between her fingers so that she could check on his safe descent. We survived each other. We laughed stuff off. We loved each other in those rowdy moments of rambunctious puberty. Well, that little country boy eventually filled out quite nicely. Officer Billy Crosby had broad shoulders. A thick neck, a mustache, and all. Billy made an impact as a homegrown police officer who knew the communities and the people he was serving. When my son and a friend were found on top of some picnic gazebos at the city park, it was Officer Crosby who talked to him. Upon discovering his last name, he realized who he was and made the connection to me. And his only comment was, Your dad would be a little disappointed with what you're doing. He made simple comments like that, very effective with a young boy. My son never forgot how considerate that remark made him feel. As an officer in a small tourist community, there are are constantly hordes of people from all over the world traipsing through their jurisdiction. Officer Crosby, as I'm sure many others, he saw things that no other human should have to see. He witnessed things that only a mortician knows as much about. One time, while in the pursuit of an armed assailant, another officer, who just happened to be his lifelong friend, was savagely shot and killed. Admittedly, this experience in particular crushed Officer Crosby emotionally. He could never fully recover from that. Alcohol and thoughts of suicide and overwhelming emotions from everything shook his core so much that he couldn't maintain employment with the police department. And consequently, he had to walk away from his lifelong career. And I got to tell you that it was hard for us as classmates to see this happen. We talked about it and messaged about it. What was going on with Billy? What could we do to help? We thought about him, we prayed for him. And for me to witness the physical manifestations of the emotional burdens he was carrying when I saw him on occasion, that was rough. What trauma some people experience. Do we even understand that? Or do we just hear liver failure? and assume things about a person and his or her life choices. Now, just to clarify, I am not a funeral crasher, yet I love attending funerals. Five of Billy's classmates, including myself, attended his funeral. I had two things happen to me at Officer Crosby's funeral that I never thought I would ever experience in my life. And I've been to a lot of funerals. The first was hearing an Ozzy Osbourne song. Any Ozzy Osbourne song played at a funeral service. And the second was how spiritually moved I was by that song. The song was a special favorite of Billy's. He'd purchased the single decades ago and sent it home to his mother in anticipation of his return from a lengthy separation from her. The song was Was Mama, I'm coming home. I was humbled at how much my understanding increased in those reflective and sacred moments when my own mortality acquired some new meaning and greater meaning. I admittedly become much more capable to love and gently consider others when life feels so fragile. After the service, we took a classmate photo with his portrait. You can see that picture on my Instagram at fyo.podcast. And as we strolled together out of the auditorium, we bantered back and forth about life with echoes of our adolescent locker room talk, as if we were just passing by Principal McMullen's office on the way to Mr. Glover's typing class. The comment was made at how little we had all changed personality-wise in the decades since high school. And it was true. Gus was still as dapper and charming as ever. And Blake, he is still as giddy and boastingly complaining about how he is physically proportioned like a centaur. I'm like, seriously, Mr. Ed, we remember the Valley Buffaloes locker room and the communal showers of 1985. We've already been comparatively scarred for life, and for the rest of us still developing boys who obviously hadn't drunk enough of that yellow sulfur-scented Glendale water, those were Pinocchio moments. I'm a real boy. Shane and I were just smirking in disbelief at how it felt like the years had just come full circle, like we'd just walked through some kind of a time warp to that very moment. Billy would have been very happy by the joy that we felt together in his presence. (laughs) It's for these reasons that I love attending funerals. It is truly unfortunate that we oftentimes wait until we hear a eulogy before we start applying some kind of general consideration instead of church pew judgment. The gift of losing someone can be really life-altering and can raise your spiritual and emotional frequency to some very healthy levels. Some might ask, wasn't Billy's funeral sad? To which I would respond, oh, no, 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 that would have been a waste. Plenty of healthy sorrow, yes, but we try to curb the sadness to a minimum. As my friend Russ Nelson once said, we are born to die and we die to live. You know, for me, when Jesus commanded us to love one another, that admonition is easily adapted into understand one another. And I hope that we strive to fully feel our oats by understanding others a little more. I feel more complete when I am dismantled by humbling experiences like that and then reassembled by the considerate feelings of love that are inclusive of grief and sorrow. We can't separate the two. If we are fortunate enough, gosh, we're made different. By the depth of those experiences, I really feel that the best way to celebrate another's life is to learn from it. Become a better you because of them. If we aren't able to glean something from one another, are we truly friends or are we just seriously not paying attention? I didn't go to Billy Crosby's funeral to mindlessly celebrate him, I went there to learn from him. Here's my takeaways People are weird. Being different is who you are. There but for the grace of God goes all of us. And make sure your gym gear is washed and clean. You just never know when the clouds are going to part and the moonbeams are going to shine through. Also, you will feel a tender attachment to your own spirit in some of the strangest moments. God doesn't just talk to us when we feel like it's an opportune time. And finally, friends, my gosh, good friends are hard to find. Hang on to them. Cherish them. Sorrow with them. Pray for them. And if nothing else, learn from them. A GoFundMe account has been set up to help his widow pay his final medical expenses. Please visit and donate. A link will be included in the show notes. This episode is dedicated to the memory of Billy Crosby. Well, Dad, blasted. I sure enjoyed the visit today. If you gained something from it, be kind enough to leave us a review. And do it right now. If you would, I ain't getting any less frumpy and them algorithms need all the help they can get so I can disrupt more good folks like you. So I tell you what, if you got a friend or three that you just don't like very much, share this podcast with them and let us bug them for a while. And if you have comments or suggestions for future discussions, well, don't just keep them to yourself. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can DM us on our Instagrams. Remember to download the Family Tree app and see how you are related to the people from today's episode. All those links will be included in the show notes. Sometimes it's important to look a gift horse in the mouth. Your gift is your ancestry. Your superpower is their family history stories that make you. Not a one of us crawled out from under a rock, regardless of what you've been told, You have 4,094 grandparents, over 12 generations, with thousands of love stories, battles, difficulties, sadness, happiness, and expressions of hope for the future that allows you to be here today. We are the culmination of so many things we did not choose. It was designed that way. So be gentle with yourself and others. Take the time to learn yourself through your family history stories. There are innumerable tributaries flowing into the life experience that deceptively seems to be your own, but it's not. So think about that as you row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Russell M. Nelson stated, When our hearts turn to our ancestors, something changes inside us. We feel part of something greater than ourselves. (laughs) I concur. Thank you for joining me on another unbelievably true adventure. Find your family history superpower and activate it. Until the next time, bye.